Now, the Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the program. The University of Hawaii men's basketball team will head on the road today. They're in the home stretch. Final four games that will determine all in terms of seeding. Uh, who's in the tournament? Who makes the? Who gets the, the single buy? Who gets the double buys? All those things are at play in these last uh, two weeks, which is really interesting. Doesn't happen too often that way. Let's um, well, let's gonna skip right to the to the meat of this. I think when you're in a league that's a one-bid league, as Hawaii certainly is in one in the Big West, I hate that. I used to love it when there were multiple bid leagues uh, all over the place, but that's gone away. It's like now there's seemingly six or seven uh, bids to the power conferences. I'm not saying it's not right in terms of the general speaking abilities of the teams. I just think it it has fractured this thing where you don't, unless you win your league, you don't have a chance. I don't know. I don't think that's good for college basketball. But you know what we're getting? We're getting a lot of guys departing after they have a good year. If they're juniors, they're gone. Uh, think of it as a three-year uh, commit. That's really what it is uh, these days. And so I get it. I understand it. They want to get ahead and get out and make big money because the money they're making now, while in some cases considerable, it's not always. A lot of times it's minor money. And, I, you know, we heard that, uh, what's his name, Pullins, uh, Zion Pullins, is it, from, uh, from Riverside? He left Riverside this year to go to uh, Florida. And we hear he got 400000 that's what I'm hearing. That was a check for 400 grand. Now that's life-changing money for a lot of people. I just think you know it's, that's going to take you a while. It's a good start, head start in life. I get why people do that, and I don't like it particularly because I think it's an inducement that not everybody can offer. I mean, how do you think Riverside is going to compete with that? It's craziness. So I hope Zion's happy with his choice. Uh, because he's gone from his teammates. And now his team is in, they, they've got it together now, finally. They're playing pretty well, but they hadn't been for a bit. And you have to wonder, how, how much does losing a guy like that have to do with it? I think possibly you could make a case that if you were to lose, oh, let's just say for fun, Noel Coleman from this year's team uh, at Hawaii, I mean, would they be the same team? No, nobody just decided to offer him 600000 to go play. But I'm sure there were people that would have been interested, especially based off last year. So, uh, you know, that, this is how it goes. This is the way it is. I just think that's uh, – I, I just think it's unfortunate because people are losing players that they – you know, could have maybe boosted them into a Sweet 16 type situation. Who knows? Anyway, that's not going to happen for Riverside. I doubt. At least I doubt it. 
If they do that, they'll have accomplished a near miracle. Well, let's talk about this because that we're going to get very shortly. The combine starts today. You know, the NFL talent, the, the horse, you know, it's basically, you know, horse meat. You know what I mean? They, they're going to go check the, uh, you know, do everything but check the teeth on this, on this group. And who knows? Maybe they'll check some teeth too. But this is going to be where the NFL makes their decisions. And you know what's one of the things that's gratifying? Even at the NFL level, they're not always right. If they were always right, you wouldn't have Patrick Mahomes-type situations where a guy who was not a top pick ends up being a top player. I mean, that happens all every year that happens somewhere. And now there's awfully, awfully good talent at running back available. You don't have to draft one, but you can, and you'll get a good one, no doubt. Uh, I think that's the way that works. In Major League Baseball, I think you're starting to see as the teams are getting together and looking to see what they can you know, put out on the field, there's going to be a lot of players who are going to overachieve. They're going to do more than their contract indicates they should, and there will be many others from whom the clubs will never get their dollars worth. That's how it works. Now, which one is going to be which? We're going to talk a little Major League Baseball because we'll have, in about eight minutes, we're going to have seven minutes, we'll have Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs on to sort of evaluate. Uh, I thought we'd start with the National League East this time around and see what he thinks of that. Um, because he's been at this a long time. <coughs> Fan graphs, <coughs> pardon me, is data-driven. That's what they're going by. Uh, and I think that they're usually pretty right on. I don't know. Like, my, I root for the New York Mets. Do they have any real path? I don't know. They had that injury to the key pitcher. I, maybe not. Maybe they won't uh, be able to compete this year. Uh, you would think... When they have the guy with the most money in the whole league as their owner, you would think there wouldn't be too many impediments on acquiring talent. You'd have to hate the guy to not you know, feel like, all right, I'm going to play there because I can get the biggest contract ever. Although, Cohen does not have a reputation for throwing the money around. Uh, I mean, he tries to get some value out of it, and that could prevent him from getting a key piece. But, I mean, how many guys get to trade Verlander and Scherzer in the same season? I mean, that doesn't happen very often. A couple of future Hall of Famers. Nine minutes past 6 o'clock. If you have a question or a comment, just wanted to mention that we had a fabulous uh, call the coach last night at Ruby Tuesdays. I thought it was just one of our best ones of the year. Uh, enjoyed every minute of having Iran there f straight up about basketball. You know, there are some coaches who really wind you up. You know, I don't think what they're telling you is close to what they really think. But Iran does. He tells you what he thinks. And he's, uh, he's committed to doing things the right way and to do them his way. And I think that's been the case the entire 10 years he's been here. So, you know, is it paid off? Well, I think you could say some seasons it gets pretty close. They've been and won a tournament game uh, at one point. Uh, but that's been a while back, and I think you got to get another one soon. That's how it works. I mean, 
there's uh there's probably other coaches who have a better recruiting angle than Hawaii does. You know, you don't want to be tail end. You want to be in the front. That's how it is. Uh, nobody more so than this staff. But I think this year, the way they're playing now, if they can keep at it, they may have a chance to do something special. That's what I would love to see. And uh, who knows? We've got a couple of games this week that they're going to go on the road, and this will be tough because they're going to go up and play at UC Davis on Thursday. And then on March 2nd, they'll have UC Riverside. Then they'll come back home. And next Wednesday, unusual day, uh, they'll play CSUN and then finally close up with Cal State Bakersfield, uh, who also is playing a little bit better. I, I think it's going to be an interesting deal. I think even, even trying to pick the seeds right now is going to be tough. I'd probably say Irvine likely the number one. Not a definite, though. Just when you think they're rolling, they come up with a horrific loss. But I think they'll be no worse than second. And then I think from third, fourth, fifth, sixth, those are all going to be tough spots. And remember, only eight go. So you, if you're not in, uh, say, fourth, you could fall pretty quickly to eight or even out of it. Cal State Fullerton's on the death's door as far as they started off well, beat Hawaii in the, in the opener here on the road, but they have fallen off since. And hard to say where that one's going. But I think, you know, you can see UC Santa Barbara's a team that can be fabulous one day and horrendous the next. You just don't really know with them. The teams that I would have said are the reliable ones, UC Riverside, uh, Hawaii played them for the second time. And then they're going to have, uh, I, I think, a tough round with uh, you certainly don't want to get UC Santa Barbara in the playoffs. I don't because Hawaii struggles with them way beyond the, the difference between the two teams. I mean, I think, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Hawaii's actually ahead of UC Santa Barbara at this point. Is that right, Tanner? Yeah. So even though they give Hawaii fits, they don't give everybody else fits. So they're lucky they don't have to be in the conference tournament this year because they'd probably have to go against UC Santa Barbara at some point on the paper. So that, you know, listen, it could happen. Doesn't mean it will. And you have your picks right now, I mean, uh, for not just the Big West College Tournament, but for who do you like in Major League Baseball? I want to find out from an expert. Jay, Gra uh, Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs will be with us shortly. Let's do this. Let's take a quick timeout right now, and then we'll be right back on the Bobby Curran Show, ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition. Want to welcome Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs. It is that time again, getting ready for baseball. And right now, everyone's undefeated. So there's a lot of optimism everywhere. But I, I think the only team that really has the well-deserved optimism is probably the Dodgers. I mean, they look like they're unbeatable. Jay, what do you think? 
Yeah, the Dodgers look great. I think the Braves look great too. Um, you know, those both both of those teams look like the powerhouses in, in the National League, and 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 uh, uh, everybody else is very far behind them. Interesting. Let's go over. Let's just for fun go over the uh, the East. Obviously, you have Atlanta on the top. You don't really see any competition for them in the uh, National League East. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot. I think a lot would have to go. Uh, wrong for the Braves and right for whoever emerges. With the Phillies, uh, the Phillies may be a, a rung ahead of the Mets and Marlins uh, in, in terms of that. But we have, in, in our projections, we have about a 13-game difference uh, between the Braves and the Phillies in terms of uh, projected wins. So that's, um, you know, the division really is Atlanta's to lose here. Right. You're not expecting that to be terribly close. How about the Dodgers in the West? Will will they have a tougher challenge than the Braves in the East? Um, a little bit. We've got about a ten game gap between them and the Diamondbacks. Um, you know, the big concern about the Dodgers is is that starting pitching. Obviously, uh, they added uh, Yamamoto uh, and and Glasnow. Um, you know, but they've got a lot, you know a lot of guys are are, are coming back from injuries and, and incomplete seasons. So the question really is how uh, guys like Glasnow and, and Walker Bueller, who's going to take the first month uh, to slowly work his way uh, into in, into starting shape, and James Paxton, how those guys uh, stretch out and, and, and hold up. And you know, they've got Clayton Kershaw geared for. Uh, probably a, I, my guess would be an August return from shoulder surgery. Um, they don't have to rush him, uh, but but that that starting pitching is what could keep them uh, from approaching the Braves' level of of, of uh, dominance here. I think in the National League, but their offense looks really strong right now. All right, well that's interesting. I, a lot of people I think probably were surprised by uh, the Boach. Uh, last year in the Rangers winning the World Series, were you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was a, that was you know they had they it was clear from you know what they've been doing in free agency. The Rangers have been amassing a lot of talent, um, and they had some good prospects. Uh, that it all came together as seamlessly as it did, though. I mean, you just you don't see that happen that often. It just it, it really um, looked like it, it had been scripted in, in, in the way it all came together. Well, that's kind of, I mean, that's perfect uh, planning, isn't it? I mean, they love to have it that way. Yeah. They love to think that all the design in the world is going to come to fruition every year, but rarely does. Anyway, and I, I yep. actually thought the Diamondbacks played pretty well. Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, you know, they did not have a particularly impressive regular season, uh, but they caught fire in the playoffs, and they they knocked off uh, the powerhouses, and 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 good for them. And they very very nearly pulled it off uh, uh, in the World Series as well. Um, you know, they don't have any anything to be ashamed of uh, for getting as far as they did. I thought that there were some uh, some teams that were were underachieving last year. Who would you cite as the biggest underachievers last season? Oh well, the Yankees for one. I mean, we're talking, we're sticking to the National League. The Mets for sure, uh, dropping from 100 wins to 75. Uh, that was the big one. The Cardinals falling into last place um, with 71 wins. They were a huge underachiever. Then Padres, I think, were the other obvious one, particularly given how loaded they were um, coming into the season in terms of in terms of talent. So I think those are probably the big ones. 
with the Giants and uh, maybe uh, an underachiever as well. Let's get to the American League for a minute, just for fun, because you know you mentioned the Yankees. Are they going to be any better than they've been? Um, our projections certainly suggest uh, so. We've got them as the uh, as the AL East winner with a projected uh, win total of eighty eight wins. Um, they're not a powerhouse in the top four teams, which is to say, all but the Red Sox are bunched between eighty three and eighty eight wins. So there's a lot that could. Uh, you know, a lot of permutations within that, but they should be stronger. Uh, the addition of Marcus Stroman does help. Um, certainly, uh, I think when we see Carlos Rodon throwing three or four miles an hour faster than he was at this stage last year, that's a, that's a lot of reason for optimism. Juan Soto is a huge addition. Um, you know, they've they've still got uh, uh, some vulnerabilities, I mean, they, and they need guys like uh, um, Giancarlo Stanton uh, and Anthony Rizzo to bounce back. You know, it looks like they're going to have a pretty good uh, leadoff hitter here, huh? Sorry. I think the Yankees may have – it looks like they're going to switch around the leadoff hitter a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think that they've they've got a lot of options. And, and you know, I think if D.J. LeMahieu is healthy, he's he's an excellent table setter. Um, You know, and having – Juan Soto and Aaron Judge hitting behind them. Whether it's you know whether it's Soto Judge or Judge Soto, that's a I mean, you just can't do much better than that. Can't lose uh, under any circumstances. Yeah. There, yeah, it's, it, that's that's great, um, historic perhaps. So uh, a lot of reasons to be optimistic. But you know, again, they need they need the guys coming back from from injuries, who also include uh, Rodon and Nestor Cortez, uh, to really be. Uh, you know, closer to uh, the versions of themselves that, that we've seen uh, in the past. You know, I think you're absolutely right about that. Is Aaron Boone on the hot seat? I think so. Uh, you know, he he very easily could have been fired after last season. The Yankees really do value, um, you know, his leadership ability and, you know, ability to interface with the public and act as the, the front face of the of the franchise. Uh, more than they do his tactical acumen, you know. But, uh, um, you know, he got away with an 82-win season last year. I don't think he gets away with another 82-win season if if it comes to that because, um, you know, there's a lot riding on this. And there does seem to be, at least early on, I think a recognition that that, uh, this team really does need to get it together. You know, it seems that there is enough talent that there's no excuse for 82 wins. Yeah, I mean the injuries were, were were the big issue last year. I mean losing Aaron Judge for as long as they did, and, and uh, uh, but they were thin to, thin going in, and, and you could see uh, potential catastrophes ahead, especially in that lineup. I mean they only had a couple of above average producers there, uh, and they were without their best one for a good chunk of the season due to that toe injury, which to be fair was kind of a fluke. But Aaron Judge is, has a reputation as not being. Uh, a particularly fast healer, and, and that has proved, that proved to be true once again. Well, let's get to some of the other teams in the uh, American League. Well, what do you what do you think of our Red Sox? Uh, we have them. We have them at eighty wins, uh, the, fifth, the the fifth team in the AL East, not that far from the pack. But I mean, they just have not taken a very aggressive approach to uh, to shoring up that roster. I mean, the starting pitching is. You know, it's just uh, it looks looks weak. Um, 
you know, I think Lucas Giolito is a decent bounce back candidate, but you know, you've got uh, uh, Nick Pavetta, Brian Bellow, Cutter Crawford, and Tanner Houck as the likely two through five, and none of those guys have had a really strong season uh, in the rotation, or even a full season in the rotation, uh, to point to as being, uh, you know, somebody who's going to pitch you into a playoff position. So, um, you know, they're, they seem to be more concerned about uh, uh, John Henry's bottom line than they do uh, playing in October. Well, let's get to the other teams that might do some damage in the uh, in the AL East. Who do you like between Toronto and Baltimore? Uh, I like the Orioles much more. We have those two teams very closely projected uh, together, but um, the Orioles, you know, have a lot of young talent. They're gonna they're gonna debut Jackson Holiday, whether it's at the start of the season or, or soon enough. He's the consensus top prospect in the game. Um, projection systems have a tendency to underrate uh, those top prospects because there is a chance that they wind up back on the farm, you know, for a couple months, and you know they they are playing veterans and uh, you know kind of low impact veterans in, in their places. But there's so much talent uh, coming up in in, in that organization and they did a nice job adding Corbin Burns um uh the Kyle Bradish injury is a bit of a concern for sure uh particularly after what uh um uh, uh the big reliever Felix um blank you on right now uh, went to me all the time they're closing yeah. yeah um but you know the, when you compare them to the Blue Jays I mean the Blue Jays look like a strong team last year but they kind of flopped and they only spent uh, only committed about about uh, uh, forty million to major league free agents uh, this winter, not including the the, the Cuban uh, uh, Yariel Rodriguez that they signed. Um, you know they were shooting for uh, Shohei Otani, they were shooting for Cody Bellinger. They came away with nothing. They, um, you know they really could stand to bring back uh, Matt Chapman to shore to shore up that lineup. Um, you know, he didn't have a great season, part of which was, was injuries and, you know, his maybe uh, um, uh, there's some concerns long-term. But, boy, um, I was not impressed with the winter that they had, and it feels like a missed opportunity here given, um, you know, the, the strengths that they have and, and, and how long they're going to be able to keep this core together. We're talking with Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs as we get ready with spring training, and it's not too far before opening day. Uh, Jay, what do you make of the central divisions in both leagues? Uh, um, if I could avoid them, I would. Uh, right. We have uh, we have the Twins. We have the Twins as the only team projected above 500 in the AL, uh, with the Guardians. Uh, and Tigers pretty close to 500. Um, and in the NL, we've got the top, we've got the five teams projected between 78 and 84 wins uh, with the Cardinals on top. Uh, the Cubs do did get a little bit better by adding Cody Bellinger. Um, but they and the Brewers and the Reds and Cardinals, they're all pretty closely bunched there. Um, the Reds are interesting, at least. They've got a lot of young talent that's uh, – uh, going to be playing its first full season in the majors. Um, uh, the Cardinals did well to add Sonny Gray, um, you know, but I think any of these teams could have made a bigger impact move uh, that would have separated themselves from the pack and and and, and didn't here. Um, I really think the Cubs probably need uh, uh, better starting pitching if they're if they're going to get there. For example, you know, I, I just wonder: is, is it money that's with keep holding them back? Pretty much, 
Yeah, they've they've decided to they've decided to run to run their their team like a mid market team. I mean, you know, they've got their championship now. They want to make money on on Wrigleyville. Um, that's uh, it, it is a confounding uh, decision, but you know, you play you're playing in playing in that market yet running a payroll. Um, you know that's that's much lower than that, and and you know you're, it's not like they've got blue chip prospects scattered all over the place the way the Orioles do. Um, you know this is uh, uh, this is this is a this is a different beast here. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, and you know I think it's gotten to a point in Major League Baseball more so than the other place you know leagues that have salary caps, et cetera, where the money just dictates all almost. You know, it seems like it. You know, if you're a guy like Steve Cohen, you can spend whatever you want, but not that he always does or spends it wisely. But he certainly doesn't have the limitations or strictures. Where a team, you know, some of the teams like a Minnesota is really trying to, you know, do a lot with a little. Yeah, I. You know, I think. I I, I think to some extent, you know. Major League Baseball is a very profitable business, um, and these teams, you know, they set, they set their payrolls based on where they could be making profits without, you know, with a very short-term outlook in mind. I mean, the Twins, um, we have them projected for only a $127 million payroll, which is in the lower half here. Um, you know, they could definitely separate themselves from the pack uh, by, by spending more money, but you look around at the competition in that division, it's like, well, why do we need to? I mean, everybody, nobody else is spending here, um, you know, particularly in that division. I think, uh, yeah, you've got the Royals, Tigers, uh, and Guardians all all below them in payroll, and the White Sox are above them. But, uh, um, you know, clearly uh, the talent base there is, is, is kind of a mess. Um, they're only middle of the pack despite also playing in, 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 uh, in a huge market. Um you know, so the Twins, you know, a team like the Twins, says, why do we need to? I mean, like, the real thing, particularly with the, the move from 10 playoff teams to 12, is that teams are like, you know, let's build for 85 wins and hope we get lucky. And and that'll that'll put us in the playoffs. And then uh, let's hope we get hot like the Diamondbacks and, and make it to the World Series. I mean, that's that's the thinking. It's it's not, let's try to build a 100-win powerhouse. I mean, even the Dodgers, you saw, took a step back last year after that uh, uh, great uh, – 2022 season that ended, uh, uh, you know, with, with a with a stunning wild card defeat, wild card series defeat. No, nope. I, mean, uh, I, I do think it's <laughs> quite interesting, and uh, I I, th- I also think we'll find out a lot in the first month, because I think some people will start to fall off the kind of off the wagon very shortly. Don't you think? Oh, you know, I, it's. It'll be interesting. I don't. I don't think. I don't think there's always that much decided in the, in the first month. I mean, um, second month maybe. Yeah, you know, by by June. By sorry, by by June, I think we. I think I think we get a better a better sense of who's contending. But the thing is, is, is again with this expanded format uh, for the playoffs, you know, teams can teams can look towards the deadline. Figure that if we're around 500 at the deadline, we still we're still in this thing. We're not going to make too big an addition because um, you know we don't have to. We're just going to hope that our core gets gets hot for two months uh, and, and gets us in there, and, and we'll see what happens. It's just it, it just this this whole system 
has given owners um, the cover to not spend and to just sort of hope for the best. You know, Jay, I would be remiss if I left you without inquiring about uh, the Jaffe family. How are you? How's everybody doing? We're good. We we moved uh, we we moved uh, further south in Brooklyn uh, to a to a, a hundred year old house in in uh, November, and uh, uh, we're settling in and and uh, uh, all good. And I'm sure uh, at some point you'll have my wife Emma Span on the air to talk baseball too. No question. I give her my best. And thanks so much for coming on with us. Should be fun. Thanks, Jay Jaffe okay. f- from Fangraphs. We got to take a quick time out. We'll be right back on the Bobby Curran Show, ESPN, Honolulu. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the program. You know, I was listening this morning on the way in to uh, to Mike Greenberg, and of course he has the whole hashtag crew there with him, and everybody's Dan Graziano was hellying hel- off to uh, uh, the, to Indianapolis for the combine. Uh, a lot of people are saying that the die will be cast after this combine ends because they're expecting people to make decisions, particularly on quarterbacks. And I think that's probably likely. I, I thought it was interesting because they're saying there's three slam dunks, the first three picks, which are Drake May, and not in any, not in this order necessarily, uh, Drake May, Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels. Those are the three that everybody seems to agree will be the top three. Very closely behind them are going to be Bo Nix, Amazing, because he really came out of nowhere, I think, from transferring from Auburn. He exceeded expectations, I thought. And then uh, Michael Penix, uh, who transferred in, of course, from um, – where did he transfer in from? Wisconsin? No, where was Penix? Indiana. Indiana. And that's it. And, uh, and so he had, I think, a very good season – but I think the surprise guy might be J.J. McCarthy, the national champion quarterback for Michigan. I think it's very possible six of those, all six of those guys will be first-rounders simply because there's such a desire to get the right quarterback. The feeling is you get the right quarterback, you got a real chance to win this thing, uh, this national, uh, the title, I mean the, the Super Bowl, and get there and be a playoff team, et cetera. I now, is any of those guys enough to get you there first year? Maybe. I mean, I think it's possible, but I don't think – I wouldn't bet on it. I still think the best quarterbacks in the league are going to be, you know, the J- the Justin Herberts, the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens. I, I still think those guys will lead the pack with a couple of other guys pretty close behind them, like Tua Tango-Vailoa, uh, among others. I I just have a hard time thinking a rookie quarterback is likely to get one of these teams to a Super Bowl. Your thought? Do you think that's likely? I think when it comes to a lot of like really successful teams with rookie quarterbacks, it's really based on the team that's built around them. Yeah. Um, I can't think of the last. I mean, what was is Dan Marino the only rookie to make it to the Super Bowl? Basically, 
that I can think about. I can't think of another one offhand. But I would say the last couple of years of having very young quarterbacks, I think about Joe Burrow, I think is he was really elevated by a really good defense that played that year, of course. Uh, he definitely helped in that category a lot. I would think of Patrick Mahomes as well, where Patrick Mahomes, you know, we could talk about how great of a talent he was. He also had that year to develop under a really great quarterback, under a couple of really great offensive minds. So it either takes time or a really good team around you to really get to that next step. I think right now those guys, I think about the rookies, the Caleb Williams, the Jalen Daniels, the Drake Mays. I think these are all going to be good quarterbacks in the future. Looking at the teams that could be drafting them, I'm not sure if any of those teams are elevating that high that quickly enough. I would say the next young quarterback on the rise isn't necessarily a rookie guy that'll lead his team to the Super Bowl. The one I think about right now is probably just C.J. Stroud on the Houston Texans or maybe even Anthony Richardson on the Colts because those two teams at least have some substance behind them other than having a really great, potentially good quarterback. Yeah. No, I don't disagree with that. I think that that C.J. Stroud, if he was on a better team, I think he'd even be doing more. I mean, that team's not bad. Well, he's on the best. If I was, if I were going off all those first-round quarterbacks from a year ago with Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, I think right now the Texans are probably the best possible answer because they had a really good defense. They have a really great defensive head coach right now, I think, in D'Amico Ryans. And they went all in last year, trade for Will Anderson, who didn't have like an absolutely monster rookie year, still won defensive rookie of the year, still probably at least analytically a pretty good uh, outside edge rusher. Um, Also, those wide receivers for the Texans are really good. I just think when it comes to teams like that, I look at this year, so you have what, the Bears, the Commanders, the Patriots, I think of those three teams, if they were to get a quarterback, maybe one of them can make it to the playoffs. Not, I just don't necessarily see them making a Super Bowl. That would be right. the I one think limiter. The, I think the Colts could do some damage if Anthony Richardson does the developmental stuff that you would expect maybe in a year two if he's healthy. We got John on the line. Hey, John. Hey, Bobby, you were talking about Major League Baseball when I first turned you on, but, uh, hey, I've, I've been on the Cody Bellinger watch like all winter uh, as a Cubs fan, so uh, I was uh, kind of relaxing now that they got him uh, signed. But, uh, you know, if he was like the best guy on the team. If they didn't get him, they were going to take a step backwards. And uh, I'd like to see possibly one more uh, free agent, maybe Chapman. If somehow they signed Mag- uh, Montgomery, I think I'd be dancing in the streets. But, uh, um you know, uh, it looks a lot better now that uh, we got uh, Cody uh, back in the fold. Oh, I hear you. I think so, too. And I expect those, The I'll tell you, I think a couple of these teams are that were starting to show a little fire last year, the Colts, Texans in particular, I think they're going to be pretty good this year. That's my feeling. Like, I'm not as high on the commanders as some people, for example. We'll see. But that... That, I have a feeling that they're going to be wallowing in their present state. That would be my guess on them. But you never, you know, you don't, you're always surprised by a couple of teams. It never fails. And that's okay. That's, that's good. Um, I would love it if the Giants would step up. 
all this talk about, you know, do they draft a quarterback? Do they stick with Daniel Jones? I was listening to a ton of that. You know, the, the fact that ESPN is now in New York, I think you get a, a startling amount of that stuff. And because they don't spend much time on the Jets because they're waiting to see if Aaron Rodgers comes back. Uh, and I think the assumption is he'll try. But now you have to have serious doubts about his health. And, I mean, he got hurt in four plays last year. And there wasn't a lot of contact with that. So it makes you think, okay, guys get to a stage where they're suddenly they can play and then they can't. And you wonder. But Daniel Jones clearly can play. I, I just think that they're down on him unnecessarily because I probably – they're suggesting that the Giants keep him for a year because you can – you know, he's only got a small bit and then you can get out of the contract. Okay. But that who do you take? By the way, Tanner, you'll enjoy this. Do you know who Mike Greenberg is huge on? Blake May. Drake May. Drake May, rather. He thinks Drake May is the one out of that group. So I you know, I know you share that opinion or you think he certainly deserves to be in the conversation. And I I don't I'm not saying that he doesn't. I just think I, 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 of the, I particularly like Jaden Daniels. I think that's the guy I would go with because I think he's the best athlete of the group, perhaps. He's got a great arm. He's an accurate passer. I mean, I, the other guys are interesting, but I don't know if I like them as well. I mean, listen, it's a crapshoot. One of these guys is probably going to be great. One of them's probably going to be pretty good, and one of them's probably going to be a, a bust. I mean, that seems to be the way it works. Uh, we'll find out, I guess. Let's do this. Let's take a quick timeout and be right back on ESPN Honolulu. My money, it's about the most fun time of the year when you get to the combine and people start wheeling and dealing and evaluating talent, who's the next superstar. I mean, I think those things are harder to determine. I mean, you know, how many Saquon Barkleys or, uh, you know, uh, who's that other running back that I'm thinking of from uh, Tennessee? Alvin Kamara? No, not Tennessee. The other guy, the big guy. From Alabama, I just I'm, his name is oh, escaping. Henry. Yes, when how many guys like that come out of college? Okay, you get some guys that are surprising because they're late in the draft, like Isaiah Pacheco, for example. He's a good running back and very serviceable, but is he a superstar? I would say no. I think what you do get sometimes is a superstar at wide receiver. You can get one at linebacker, like a Micah Parsons. Um, who's that tight end that the guy that was played at Florida as Kyle Pitts. I mean, Kyle Pitts is pretty special. I'd say that he's, uh, he's in that category. I mean, in them, you're seeing some guys that have just been earth shaking, like the Nick Bosa's. I mean, that are really, really good at Chris Jones. I, I don't know that you can tell first year out if a guy's going to be that. Do you, who did what college players have jumped out at you? Do, have you had any this year? Uh, I think there are a couple that come to mind. I think of a guy that a lot of people don't know the name of because of the college he went to. I think of a guy like Quinion Mitchell. Uh, he is a cornerback that is coming out of Toledo, 
but he has, you know, perfect size as a corner, six foot, 196. He had an absolutely stellar performance at the Senior Bowl, stellar performance all year long. When I think about a guy like Quinion Mitchell, I think about a guy from a couple of years ago who was at one point one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL, and he's only two years into his career. I think of a guy like Tariq Woolen, who had amazing size, amazing speed, yet no one really took him in the first round or first half of the second round, and I really liked Tariq Woolen. And when I look at Quinion Mitchell, it may not be the same type of corner, but he just drips of like a potential of a guy like Tariq Woolen for the Seattle Seahawks. So I think if you are in the first round and your team drafts some cornerback out of Toledo, I would be very excited to know that my team would be drafting a guy like Quinion Mitchell. He certainly sounds like that sort of a player, an impact guy at corner, a cover guy that you can rely on. They, they, they don't, go, don't grow on trees. No question about that. That's a tough, that's a tough get. Um, I'd like to see the Giants get an impact edge rusher. I mean, they've got a couple of guys. You know, some people saying, oh, yeah, Thibodeau really came on last year. Yes, he, he was better. And they want to have a totally healthy, uh, the other guy from Georgia, uh, Ojolari. Uh, and I, I think maybe he'll get there. But I don't know if he's, he's there yet. And I, so I'm thinking if you can find that edge rusher in this draft, go find him. You know who's exceeded my expectations? Uh, the guy from Purdue, George Karloftis. He's been better than I thought he was going to be in terms of you know rushing a quarterback. I just thought he was going to be a step slow, that guy, but he's not. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. There's a couple of other guys that I saw in college that I thought, wow, that guy can really run. And if you can really run, you got an edge in the NFL. That's how well, one of the things we find out is uh, on the times, we find out who's really fast. Who is a pretender at speed and who is really fast? And we'll find out because I think that's a big separator. You know, you got, you're counting on a guy and then you find out he's a 4-7 guy. No, that's not going to work. But this week will tell. There, I always am suspicious if a guy's healthy and he avoids running the 40, I always think there's a reason. You know, this could be guys that got a little, you know, tweak of a hamstring or something, but... You feel much better if your guys run and do all the, the deal, the drills, the, the, the three-step shuttles, all that stuff. I just think you feel better if you have a guy doing that stuff. Uh, I would prefer it. Go ahead if you have something. we got a couple of minutes. 808-296-1420. Who would be your draft pick for your team? Uh, if you don't need a quarterback, then it gets – I think the quarterbacks get way more discussed. Uh, you might have a guy waiting in the wings that you're just hoping. This happens all the time, right? You, th you got a third-round pick coming up, and you're hoping nobody picks the guy because you've been waiting two rounds to hope he falls into your lap. That happens, but is it going to happen this year? I don't. I have no idea. But I would bet it happens to somebody. just never happens to my teams, seems like, or rarely. I'll say that rarely happens. Um, anyway, in terms of the the draft, do you have now? You're Tampa Bay, more or less, right? Who do what? Who do you? What do they need? That's a great question. We do need a lot. Um, even though we did, you know, make it pretty far into the playoffs. If I'm Tampa Bay, 
I'm looking at offensive line because uh, the last couple of years have been tough to the interior. You had a guy in Ali Marpet, you know, uh, we had basically our best interior linemen all either retire or leave the team. Uh, so right now, just other than a guy like Tristan Wirfs, it's pretty, and Luke Gadecki, who actually played very well in the other tackle spot. Uh, the interior needs a lot of help. So when I look at that, and I'm looking at late 20s, um, you hope a guy like Jackson Powers Johnson, the center from Oregon, makes it down there, but I don't think he's actually going to make it to the bottom 20s before another team picks him up. I think of a guy like Graham Barton from Duke. You know, he played a lot of tackle at Duke, but he has the versatility to play pretty much any single um, position in on the offensive line. I think he definitely is going to be turned more into an interior lineman. So he can play guard, but he can also play center. And so he's kind of my uh, next best choice if a guy like Jackson Powers Johnson doesn't make it. But like I said, I'm also looking for cornerback. Um, Quinion ain't making it down there. So you're look then you're looking at guys like maybe a Kool-Aid McKinstry and Ennis Rakestraw from Missouri. I think there's a lot of really great uh, defensive uh, secondary picks out there. And that's the two things that I'm going to be looking at most if I'm Tampa Bay, corner and offensive line. That's, you know what? Those are good fundamental needs that if, you don't, if you're a team and you're trying to get to I mean, advance in the playoffs, you better have them. You've got to have offensive linemen, and you've got to have defense, that kind of defensive help. They may get it. Who knows? We are just about out of time. Chris and Gary, the sports animals, coming up next, and we've got a lot of things going on at the end of this week. Well, the, the Big West basketball will start to take off. We'll have some UH volleyball. I'm, I'm excited about some of the things that we have brewing. And, uh, and I also think co college basketball is going to start to turn a corner because there's a lot of conference stuff coming up now. Chris and Gary up next. Thanks to Tanner for his, Tanner Hayworth for his help uh, this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with more. And Stephen Sy will be with us tomorrow morning. We're going to get his thoughts on the spring fling. That's going to do it for us from all of us at ESPN Honolulu. I'm Bobby Carr and Aloha.